Take your Bibles now and open them up to Luke 10. Luke 10. <laughs> People are forming emails already to South Beach Church. I can't believe it, you know. <laughs> Let's read, and then we'll, then we'll pray. That's what's wrong. We haven't even prayed yet. Here we go. Verse 16. This is the, the, the very last verse that, that we have recorded from Jesus to the 70 before he kicks him out into ministry on a, on a tour of duty, if you would, a short-term mission trip. He's given them the instruction. This is the final one, though, the final, final piece of instruction before he says, go out, and then we'll pick up in verse 17 where they return. We don't know all the details of what happened when they went out. They give us one minor detail when they return. Okay, actually two details. One, they're full of joy. And two, they give him an update that the demons were subject to them, that they had authority over. They couldn't believe it. But I want you to see verse 16 because where our springboard is going to be. So I'm going to start there. And Jesus said this, he who hears you hears me. Now just stop and consider that. You're the 70. Jesus has given you the instruction how to go and that you're going. And then he says, by the way, you... Here's my badge. You talk, it's on my behalf. Whoa. If anybody hears your voice, they're actually hearing my voice. What? That's crazy town. Like, Lord, I'm not sure if you've noticed. There's a big difference between your voice and my voice. And he's like, no, no, I get it. I understand. Here's a badge. Put it on. You're going in my name. You are an ambassador now. You're sent. You're on my mission. Your lives have just now been upgraded. And what you say, you're saying in my name. You would take that badge and be like, whoa trip out. He goes on to then qualify it. He says, those who hear you, well, they hear me, verse 16 still, and he who rejects you, because that will happen, well, they reject me, so get over it. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. It's kind of a big deal, this chain of command. And he sends them out with this ambassadorship, and that's where I'm going to begin the sermon today. Now let's go and fast forward to the end of their trip when they return. Look at verse 17, so we know what we're studying this morning. Then... The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. It's interesting, that's the only report that we have recorded of what went down on their tour. 70 guys, I bet there was all kinds of stories. I bet they were just talking, I bet for days they were probably telling stories about this house and that house and praying for this guy's bum knee and it getting healed and praying that thing in and praying that thing out. But when they came back, this is what Luke recorded. The demons even were subject to us in your, listen, in your name. Remember, they were sent out in his name. These guys had enough humility after their tour of duty. Man, that was crazy. How'd you guys do? In Jesus' name, we did very well because of him. We're just a bunch of knuckleheads, okay? We don't even have names in the Bible. We're like the unnamed group. But because we had his name, we're very different. And even the demons were shuddering and fleeing. And they were stoked about it, as they should be. Jesus, though, throws a little bit of, just a, a, little, a little teachable moment on him. Verse 18. <laughs> Jesus in his Liam Neeson voice. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit. When it says Jesus rejoiced in the spirit, the Greek language here is very strong. I don't know what your vision of Jesus is like in your two-dimensional brain, you imagine him, this perfect hair, a rare smile, mm. you know, moving slow. Here, what it says, he rejoiced in the spirit. Literally, the guy was, he was fist pumping. He was fired up. If you can imagine it, it's a little difficult for me even to imagine it. Jesus is fired up here. Rejoice. The Greek is so strong that he's literally speaking like an Italian, you know, just hands up. It's kind of cool. Why? In that hour, the, the 70 come back. They're, they're healthy. Jesus sees them. Oh, yes! Yes! Yeah! He's fired up. He rejoiced in the spirit, and he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, 
that you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to babes, that is the 70, the simple-minded folk. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight, all things have been delivered to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. And who the Father is except the Son, that's what they got, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it and hear what you hear and have not heard it. Father, in Jesus' name now as we approach your word, we ask, Lord, that it would be applicable to our lives today, that we too, Lord, would be like these 70 nameless group of willing, available, close to you people that you would say, go in my name, I need you. I need you to go to your business, I need you to go to your family, you're my representation. You're my mouthpiece, here's my badge, I need you to do this, I need you to be vocal and step up, I need you to minister to the sick and heal those. I need you to stand in the gap of the oppressed, the demonized, I need you to do this. And that we, Lord, would find ourselves like those not smart, not prominent babes, those young-minded folk, And we would say, yeah, Lord, we'll do it. We'll do it. And that we, Lord, would not rejoice in what we can do, please. But, Lord, that we would rejoice in what you've done. That our names are written in heaven. May this be a day where we see things, Lord, and our own priorities changed. Not grading our spouses or ourselves or looking in the mirror, but instead looking in the mirror of your word and saying, you have done enough. Jesus, you said, rejoice, not in those things. As great as they are, they are great. But do rejoice that you're a believer, that in heaven right now, your name is etched into the book of life. It's there. It's not, it's not, it can't be undone if you're a believer here. It can't be taken out. It's, it's eternal, it says. And no matter what we do or don't do, that won't change. And there's great rejoicing to be had. So, Father, we love you. And we thank you for revealing such things to us. Even the things that the kings and the prophets have desired to look into, that we have been given that privilege of knowing you as you are. I pray, Lord, for the person here today that doesn't know you. It's questioning or quizzical. Lord, that you would draw them near to yourself. Love them. Heal their hurts. Bring them into the family of God, that they would know their purpose, and that we would all have great joy today. And it's in your name we pray, and everybody said... Amen and amen. Well, once again, we begin week four in Luke 10 with the exact same message. Go, behold, I send you. The same message we've gone over the last three weeks in a row, we begin with today in verse 16, where Jesus says, he who hears you, hears me. And I just need to remind you before we get any further today that Jesus has decided to co-op with you and I to advance heaven. He's not going to do it by himself. He's not going to do it with the angels. He's not going to send the Holy Spirit to do all the work. Instead, he says, no, I want to use you guys and gals. Now, if I were on the committee, I would go, eh, bad idea. Have you seen these people? You know, they can't even mow their lawns. You want, you want them to build heaven? And Jesus says, yeah, I, I want to use that. It's crazy. I want to use them. I don't just want to have ownership over everybody. I want to have an inclusion, just like a father would for his kiddos, for his family, for his legacies. Oh, I love my kids. I love it when we do things together, and we need to have this kind of heavy responsibility put upon our shoulders often, because if you're like me, you forget that you're an ambassador. Hey, you don't always reflect well the voice of God. When he says, when they hear you, Luke, they're hearing me. Right then, how many of you guys are in trouble right there? You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't know Jesus cast. You know, like, right, right then you've already given Jesus a bad representation with your mouth or with your actions. He says, when, when you go out, people are going to be looking to you to see what heaven looks like. Okay? Should kind of just shock you a little bit. Like, oh, whoa. Lord, Lord, can't you do it in other ways? And he says, for sure I can. But by grace, I'm choosing you to shine through your brokenness, your cracked pottedness, your, your inability to do anything rightedness. I'm going to use you in spite of you. Some of you are waiting to be usable as soon as I figure it out. 
Okay, as soon as I get out of debt, as soon as I get married, as soon as I have kids, as soon as I get divorced, as, don't do that. As soon, you know, as, soon, as soon as I do what I do, then the Lord will use me. No. He sends these 70 out, gives them instruction, gives them equipment, and he would say to you right now this morning, do, do, do you know that that's how I look at you when, you when you do what you do, when you rise in the morning? I just want you to reflect. Let me just, can I back up a little bit? Because being an ambassador of heaven can, can seem weighty, and it should. Can seem difficult and laborious. Ah, man, that's crazy. Your job, though, is to just step into the light. I'm serious. And let him reflect off of you and everything you do. You don't have very much to offer. You're kind of like the moon. You guys ever seen the moon before? You ever seen? We've all seen the moon. When you see the moon, it's not because it has any light. Okay, it's a very cold, dark rock with craters and divots. Okay, no life. Nothing special. There may be a flag up there. It's and you know people don't really know. I think there is. I believe there is. You know, not everyone does. That's all it's got. It's got a flag. But when the moon comes out and the sun is shining on it and reflecting, it's crazy. You can see it. Can you not see it? You know when you can't see the moon, it goes away. You know when? When the earth gets in the way and the sun can't shine upon it. When the things of this world block the power of the sun. Now that rock that all it does is reflect. So too in your life, it's not that hard to just reflect God's light. The problem is, is when you and I let stuff get in the way. That's, that's just the basic reality. When the worldliness of our life just kind of taints the vision of the sun reflecting off. As a matter of fact, the moon in its fullest, brightest ever representation of the sun only reflects 2% of the sun's power. Did you know that? When you see it, ah, so bright, oh, it illuminates all your neighborhood and all that. Only 2% of the sun is actually hitting it at that time. And the moon's crazy. It's all over the place. It, it's kind of a decent illustration to who you and I are as we reflect the glory of the sun. Did you know that at its high Highest temperature on average, the moon gets to 398 degrees Fahrenheit every day. Okay, you could bake bacon and potatoes. Like, that's, that's kind of cool, like 398. And then when the sun goes away and it gets to darkness, it goes from 398 Fahrenheit. It's pretty hot. It's pretty hot. It's twice as hot as it is in here during the 11 a.m. service in the summertime. Okay, it's twice as hot. And then when the sun goes away, it actually cools down to negative 328, okay, Fahrenheit. Negative 328, which is pretty cold. It's almost as cold as our room at night. When we sleep, we sleep with the windows open. You know? That's cold. Here's the deal. It's all over the place because it doesn't have, listen, listen, it doesn't have an atmosphere. So when the sun comes out, the same sun that impacts us and gets us to, you know, 65 here in Newport, you know, gets it, warms us up a little bit. That same sun, when it hits the moon, there's no atmosphere to protect it. Boom, burns it up. And then it, when it goes away, it cools down. That atmosphere doesn't protect it like the earth. Here's the deal with you and I as Christians. We have an atmosphere around us. Okay, this is so good. It's grace. God's grace. He's given to us his grace whether it's a really bright, clear day and things are going great, we're not going to burn up and explode, or whether things are pretty dark and mild and you're kind of living off the grid, God's grace, which is unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor from God towards you. Can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You do need it. God's grace. He's calling you. I say all of that to say this. This is kind of just getting you guys warmed up for the text. Your job is to reflect Jesus. How am I going to do that? By grace. By grace, he'll sustain you. He'll sustain you. Careful of the things that get in the way. But if you would just like these 70 go out, that's my first point once we get to verse 17, is that they, it says they return, but you can't actually return until you leave, until you actually do something for Jesus, until you step into that role as a dad or a mom or a grandpa or a grandma or a, a businesswoman or whatever. You step into that role for Jesus. So that's my point, is Jesus wants us to reflect him. He who hears you, hears him. I have this debate in my mind all the time because I have a lot of atheist friends and a lot of critics and haters. And I, I remind myself that if there's anybody who doesn't know God or believe in God, okay, I'm going to say this, just kind of balance it with some grace. It's my responsibility. I could, I could pray for them. Lord, show them God. Show them love. And the Lord's looking at me going, okay, you go. Go ahead and show them. You exercise grace in their life and benevolence and generosity and hospitality and patience and peace. You show them. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do it that way. <laughs> Not that way. I wanted you to, you know, some epiphany, some, some crazy thing. Do something crazy. And the Lord says, you know what's crazy is you walking in love, Luke. That's crazy. You being a changed person, that'll, that'll show them. 
And so if there's somebody in your life that doesn't know Jesus, and you're mad at them, you're praying against them, the Lord would say, hey, you're, you're my ambassador, okay? I'm going to equip you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit's power to serve that person. I can't talk completely about it because it's, it's not done yet. But two weeks ago, we were robbed here at South Beach Church. We got broke into. Some equipment was stolen. We actually didn't know until Sunday morning. Showed up, and some stuff was missing. And he said, like, where's my stuff? Where's my stuff? I was like, dude, find it, you know, whatever. You know? We didn't know we, we were missing stuff until later on. Two weeks ago, I got home, and I got a, a tip from somebody who said, I know where your stuff's at. And so I called the police, and we went down there, and we, we got most of our stuff back. And um, we're working on that. And I went to grand jury as a witness, or a victim, I should say, last week. My point is this. Here's a point. What was my point? My point is this. Once, once it's all done and, and, and there's arraignment and the guy goes to, to prison for many years, I, I want to go visit him first because he needs the Lord really bad. And wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool if the last crime he committed was robbing a church, okay, and then was forgiven by that church and said, hey, you're going to go do time. There's nothing we can do about that. But I can extend full grace and mercy and forgiveness and we, we forgive you, man. We forgive, we love you. Can I pray for you right now before you go serve time? Can I pray for you? Just, you need your heart changed. This is your opportunity. You robbed Jesus. Good, good job, you know? <laughs> you, you, got his, you got his attention. You got it. He's right here with you, you know? And I get to be there. I get to be, what would Jesus do for this cat? He would go visit him in prison, like it says in the book of Matthew. There's, there's, or, 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 as I heard one person say, I don't think they're here. I don't, know, I don't even want to quote it, but I'm going to quote it. And, and this person, I don't think they know what they were saying. They just it made sense or whatever. And I, I heard it and it just made my heart hurt. He said, there's a spe- he said that, this is what I heard. There's a special place in hell for people that rob churches. And I, and I heard that. And I get it. I, I know. But I didn't. I, I said, no, nah, that's, not, that's, not that's, not, that's not the message I have. You know, there's a special place in heaven for people who rob churches. Okay? By the grace of God. By the mercy of God. And wouldn't it be awesome if the Lord softened our heart toward the naysayers, the critics, the wackos, okay, the, the, hurt, the haters, the herders? We've got all kinds of excuses here that go through your mind. I, I can't be a moon to reflect the sun's glory. I don't qualify. Perfect. David was the least in his family, the smallest of all his brothers. You might say, well, I don't know enough. I don't, I don't know enough. Everyone says, I don't know enough. I haven't read the Old Testament, uh, you know, whatever. I haven't read Ezekiel's. You know, he got all these excuses. I don't know enough. Andrew didn't know nothing. You guys know that? He was a disciple. He didn't know nothing. Guy was a kid. And he would just bring people to Jesus. He, he was infamous. Peter, his older brother, would bring thousands of people to Jesus. He was kind of like, you know, the man. Andrew would just bring people to Jesus one at a time. Here's the little lad. Here's the guys in John 12. Here, here's my brother. He would just bring people. It's so, so awesome. You might say, well, I, don't, I, I don't know enough to do anything great. Yeah, that's Andrew for you. You might say this right now today. Well, I want to, I want to reflect Jesus, but man, I, I've robbed from churches. I've got failures in my past. Keep me from being a representation. Cool. I think Paul already has that position, chief of sinners. He already, he already took the spot. You can be behind him. Paul wrote 13 letters of the New Testament and changed the entire world as we know, changed history. You might even say, I, I got questions still. I don't have enough. I, 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 I got doubts. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you guys are Christians here? But you have doubts. You have questions that you are, you're ashamed to even ask. Like, ah, I feel like my superior Christian brothers and sisters would think I'm an idiot, you know, if I ask this question. Okay, welcome to the party. Gideon, remember Gideon was hiding out and scared, and he's there making bagels for himself, scarfing his face when everyone else was starving. And, and God said, I want to use you. He's like, I got a couple questions. I don't really doubt. I don't trust you. And he, he made God, like, prove himself. And God stooped to him served him and used him in a powerful way. You, you might even be afraid to do something for the Lord or step out because you're going to blow it. What if I blow it? What if I blow it? Okay, just, just so you know, you're going to blow it. Okay, you are going to blow it. When, when Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom of heaven to Peter, he knew the future. He's like, Peter, here's the keys to heaven. You will wreck it. Okay, you, you know, just like you parents who give your keys to your 16-year-old, like, we have insurance for this. There you go, you know. <laughs> It's on speed dial, you know. We'll just, it's fine. You're going you're gonna to need it. You're going to wreck it. Not one parent ever gives their kids the keys without knowing they're going to wreck the car. It's just the way it is. You know, hopefully not a bad wreck, but it's going to happen. And God, and it's somebody sitting here today saying, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. What if I wreck it? What if I wreck it? You're going to wreck it. Okay, you're going to wreck it. And God's grace will shine through you. You'll learn. You'll grow closer to him. Peter is a, such an 
classic study in the grace of God. Now, here's the deal. Because, again, I would rather Jesus do it all himself or even choose the elite guys and gals. Just choose other people. He chooses 70 unnamed, he calls them babes, and not smart and not wise guys. That's what he says. He's like, you guys are a bunch of Galilean peasants. I don't even know your names. Anyways, I'm going to pray for you. You know, like, he does that on purpose, and he's all fired up because of one thing, because of the joy that they receive in serving. I hope you get that. Some of you grew up in a legalistic environment, or you read the wrong book, or you went to a Mormon church and got the law shoved down your throat, and the wrong God, you, you, got, you got something, you're like, oh man, God's, God wants me to do, otherwise I die, do or die, you know, that's the, that's the message you grew up with. Jesus says, I want you to do, because in doing, you're going to be full of joy, like it's actually a trick, it's actually a sneaky little trick. I'm going to tell you to do stuff, and you're going to go out and do it, and when they returned, they were full of joy. When you fulfill God's will for Jesus' mission in your life, when you actually settle into that, you're going to be the most joy-filled person in the entire world. That's the bottom line. When you finally realize, Lord, not my way, but thy way. How about we do that? Awesome. Here we go. Hope you have some reserves to fill that joy tank. I'm not messing with you. The Bible says that the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. I'm going to say that again. The, first, first John, the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. Now, in your flesh, you're thinking the commands of the Lord are burdensome. To do, to not do, don't do, 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 you know. You want to know what's burdensome? Is doing it your way, okay? Ending up in jail, doing it your way, ending up wounded, doing it your way, ending up sinful that's burdensome that's the devil says do it do it your way and he throws shackles on you the lord says come into me learn of me let's yoke up let's put a yoke let's share it together the burden because my burden is light okay my way is easy i'm gonna bless you when you go god's way when you do what god says to do this is the good news it's not just that he died for you and you can go to heaven when you die but you can live for him now full of joy in everything you do if you would submit to him and say lord just take my life i want to live for the mission of jesus in my life Every day you choose not to do that as a Christian. You can, did you know you can still be a Christian and go free agent for a day or two? You can do it. It's crazy. You can still, you're going to heaven when you die by God's grace. That's the atmosphere of protection, okay? But you can go fully off the grid and do your own thing. Like, I'm going to go nuts. Don't do it. But when you do that, guess where joy's at? <laughs> Gone. You might even go chasing a rabbit or chasing something or thinking this will do it. This, this, this thing, this illicit thing, or this behavior, this experience, or this high, or this whatever it is, this is going to give me joy, your flesh says. And the Bible says it this way. In, in sin, there is pleasure for a season, and then the end is death. I love how the Bible doesn't lie. Some of you parents lie to your kids, okay? You tell them drugs aren't fun. Don't lie to your kids. Don't lie to your kids. Tell them the truth. Told him, oh yeah, it's crazy. It makes you nuts. Okay? Okay? And then, then comes the grim reaper to collect. The Bible's honest. It says, no, no, sin is pleasurable for a season. Okay? But there is death in the end. There is death when you get that bill for, for filling your flesh and doing your own thing and you order off that menu of flesh and I want this, 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 and this and you gorge and you enjoy the flesh for a moment. Then the bill comes and the waiter sets it down. Okay? And you can't afford it. You suffer. When you, when you binge on the flesh. Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to order off my menu. I want you to do what I want. I want you to live for me. Why? Because you hate me? No. no. <laughs> because I love you. I love you. I want you guys to go do this. Did you know that when he sent them out, he's like, guys, by the way, I'm going to send you out as lambs amongst wolves. Okay, ready, break. He's like, whoa, whoa, what'd you say? <laughs> like, who's the lamb? Well, you guys are the lambs. You're sending us out as lambs amongst wolves? What? And they all returned, 70 of them. They all came back. Some of them probably had some, land, or some wolf marks. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, God, I got a wolf mark, you know. But they all came back. Jesus said, how you guys feeling? Couldn't be better. That was, that was amazing. Fired up. I was living for Jesus. Being an ambassador. Doing what, we, what you want me to do was amazing. Now, here's the deal. Look at verse 17. It says, then the 70 returned with joy. Stop right there, eyes up here. Before we talk about joy, I want to talk about the fact that they returned, and you can't return unless you go. It's kind of a principle in life. You don't get that process until you follow the first process. Here's a principle. If you're a note taker, you can't return with joy unless you go when you're told. 
Okay, it's just, you, everyone wants joy. Everyone wants to return, but you've got to step out first. Okay, those crabbers who are going out tomorrow, they've got to go first. They're going to return with joy, full pots, you know, just paychecks, all that stuff, pay bills. They've got to go first. So too, in the ministry, these guys had to go before they could return. Here's my question, what are you waiting for? What's he calling you to specifically right now? It could be very much personal in your own life. It could be a devotional practice. It could be journaling. It could be meditation on the scriptures. It could be stopping something or starting. What's he calling you to do that requires you to do something in order that you can return then from that journey with joy? Maybe it's volunteering at Sunday school, getting one of these newsletters and saying, you know, I'm going to get more involved. I can go to the 9 and serve at the 11. Heck yeah, let's do it. I want to give back to Jesus. Or maybe it's going to celebrate recovery. So I'm just going to show up and serve. As a matter of fact, I had coffee with a dude on Friday who did what I said. I said, show up, celebrate recovery. Go see if you can help. So he showed up, started helping people. They grabbed him. They said, hey, can we train you? They're starting to train him. They grabbed him further. They said, hey, can you be our first testimony speaker? Your testimony is so dynamic. So this cat called me all freaked out and scared. Like, I got to get my testimony. I was like, dude, your testimony is crazy. I said, God has done so much in your life. And now as he's stepping out to give back, he's made that journey forward, and now he's going to be able to give even deeper to the things of the Lord. And when you decide to step out, okay, you'll be given that opportunity to return with joy. And uh, we uh, have so many excuses. We studied last week that when he sent him out, he said, don't take anything with you. Quit being a baby. Just go. Don't worry about training. We have so many reasons why we're not ready. Okay, not ready to have a life group yet. Why not? Well, I got a vacuum. It's a big deal. I haven't vacuumed since 2004. It's a big deal, you know. It's got a vacuum. Can't have people over. Whatever, you know. All these excuses that come into your mind why I can't do something. I'm, I don't know enough about the, I can't host a group. They're going to ask me a crazy question, you know. Just, just laugh, you know. Pray. Go, write it down. There's, there's so many reasons. And I'll just be honest. I still don't remember anything I've ever done for the Lord. 20 years now, where I felt ready to do it. I think I'm finally ready to teach a sermon. I'm not ready today. <laughs> you guys signed waivers when you came in. You know, like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm honest. Some, somebody's waiting. As soon as I figure it out, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll show up early. I'll stay late. I'll say yes to everything. But not until I get some more stuff figured out. No, stop. You'll figure out stuff along the road. There's excuses we have, and Jesus knows, and he wants our joy. That's the whole deal. I want your joy to be full, okay? And true joy, real joy, lasting joy is only found in fulfilling God's purpose for your life in Jesus' mission. There's so many distractions out there, aren't there, for joy, real joy. There's happiness, which is due to what's happening. You guys know the difference between happiness and joy? Okay, joy is founded, it's unshakable. It, 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 you, can, you can have a diagnosis that's unpleasant, you can have a situation in your bank that's not wanted, you can have a problem externally, you can still have joy. Okay, Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And God, God has a lot of joy, no matter what happens. Even last week as I was watching the Minnesota Vikings lose, and with 43 seconds left, they had lost, the game was over. And I decided to have joy. I was okay with it. I had a great season. My wife turned to me, 43 seconds left, fourth quarter, down by one. My wife said, is there time to do anything? I said, no, honey, no. You've got to let it go. Let it go. Still have joy. They had a couple plays, ran it down to eight seconds and threw this ball. Anyways. I had joy while they were losing, and I had joy especially when they won. There's things we do that make us happy, though, and that's okay. Can I say something real quick before I say something real quick? <laughs> things you do that make you happy are okay in the right place, okay? But they will not give you joy. Having an amazing garden next year, okay, that can make you happy. It won't bring you joy. Figuring out your, your golf game, just, you know, getting that golf game figured out, it's not going to bring you joy. Hitting Mount Bachelor for the weekend before the year's over. I haven't gone in three seasons. I'm trying to get up there this year, you know. That's not going to bring joy. All of those things, listen, are right and okay in their rightful place. They're fine. I do all those things. Okay? I, love, I love that stuff. That won't bring me joy, though. You know what will bring me joy is when my life comes into submission to Jesus Christ. Everything else is just icing after that. When you finally say, my marriage, the Lord's. My singleness, it's the Lord's. 
My kids, they're the Lord's. My business, my money, it's the Lord's. My life, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Galatians 2.20, the power verse, 2.20, 220 volts, 2.20, power verse. Read it. It's powerful. When you do that, when you realize that, all those other things, they're not bad in their rightful place, but they won't bring true joy. True joy is only found in fulfilling God's purpose for your life and his mission. Look at verse 17. I got I to hustle here. It says, then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. I, I wonder if some of them didn't expect to return as being sent out amongst wolves, as lambs. It says here all 70 returned. You didn't lose one. Okay? That doesn't mean that it wasn't challenging out there. I need you to settle into this, who are kind of hardcore Christians. You guys are figuring this out. You're like, I want to leave. I want to I do this. I want to do this. I want to show up to the nine, serve at the 11, come back to the six, and I want to do, do this. It will be a challenge. There will be wolves. They all returned. I'm not saying they were unscathed, but they did return. So too, when you step out to the things of God and you decide to stand for him, you will be challenged. It is right. You will suffer loss. There will be sacrifice. There will be confusion. There will be difficulty. There will be satanic involvement if you step out for Jesus. It's just the way it is. Sometimes it's feast or famine. You forget that you're even hated, an enemy. Other times it's obvious. This week alone I got more than one threatening email sent to me, more than one explicit word directed at me, more than one personal text attacking me. This week was kind of a banner week. I was like, this was crazy. This week we got an email as well. <laughs> Amongst all that, just personal stuff to me and to the staff. And then we got this one email that came in that described a South Beach Church car driven by a South Beach Church person that was using their middle finger to drive. <laughs> now, if that was you, we're taking communion at the end of the service, okay? So we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Like, it's chaos out there. It's nuts. I'm seeing who's sweating, who's sweating. <laughs> oh, no. I remember years ago, I was visiting my friends uh, in Bend. They were ministry people. And yet they'd taken a hiatus, taken a break. Got three daughters. They'd been missionaries in India and pastors and all over the place. They weren't doing anything, though. They were totally just working secular jobs, raising their kids, public school, all that. Just normal people. They weren't even going to church. Kind of a problem in Bend. It kind of, there's little holes in the, in the graphics there. And you know what they said? They said, it's scary. Because right now, we're under zero attack. We're, we, we, we actually, we, we really like this. We feel no pressure. We're not a threat to the enemy. Everything's going great. We're not, we're not advancing the kingdom. And they, they were able to articulate, we know this is wrong. We're not taking, we're not taking any flack from anybody. And, they, and they're now back in the ministry since then. But they realize we're not doing anything damaging to the darkness. Therefore, we're living this life of whatever you want to call it. There will be sacrifice. It says they returned, but I don't want you to misunderstand that there was a sacrifice involved. There was a change. I remember in 1998 when I lived at the Ashlanders apartment, P151, with a bunch of drug dealers, a bunch of crazy guys. And in those days, back in the 90s, you had one shared phone at the house that people would call, and everybody had the same phone number, and so the phone would ring, and they would answer and ask for one of the people. And at that time in my life, I was the only one that would get phone calls, okay, because I was the guy. I was the party animal. I was the one, and I changed my life. I decided to live for Jesus Christ in that environment. I pulled back and said, I'm going on, this is I'm not who I want to be. And I remember when the phone rang and I answered, it was one of my buddies, what up, what up? And he didn't want to talk to me anymore. I don't want to talk, oh, is your roommate there? What are you going to talk to him for? Well, I, oh, I'm not the guy anymore. And I remember there was this, I was different. When you stand tall for Jesus and decide to live clean and sober and go on purpose and on mission, there's going to be some things you're going to have to let go of, okay? You're going to have to let go of that reputation that you have or that scene that you've built in the bars or wherever it is for you. So what, what am I doing with my life? When they, this is where the weight comes on, when they hear you, they're hearing him. Settle in, okay? Own it own it. Why? Why should I do that, pastor? Because there's joy at the end of that road. The Bible says here in verse 17 that the 70 returned with joy, 
saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And true joy is only found in fulfilling God's purpose for your life in Jesus' mission. It's in serving heaven. It's in giving your life away, denying yourself, and finding your life in Jesus. You guys have heard the acronym before, JOY, right? You've heard it before, Sunday school, JOY, J-O-Y. Jesus, others, and yourself. You guys know that. It's true. When you decide to serve Jesus and then others and then put yourself last, try it this week. Try it. If you do it the other way, I'm going to serve myself, then maybe others, and then maybe throw a little God in there. It's not joy, that's yaj, okay? Yaj. <laughs> Nothing. Y-O-J. It's not a word. It's fake. You can say yoj, I guess. It's not even a word. It's fake. It's not even slang. Next time you see me and I look down, be like, you yajing or joying? What are you doing? You know, like, got some yaj in your coffee? Like, what's going on? This is why we put trips together to Lebanon. That's why we invite you to volunteer as a Sunday school worker and submit and commit. It's why we encourage you to go to a life group, not just live for yourself but for others. It's why we get behind sending our leaders to seminars and conferences and training. Okay, it's why we participate in Young Life and give money and, and people and resources. That's why you should show up to celebrate recovery. That's why you should show up early and stay late and say yes to everything. Why? For joy. And the other things in your life, they're just the hobbies and the stuff, man. There's not real joy in that. There's real joy in living for him, being his voice. Look at verse 18, or should I say, verse seven, we're still in verse 17, this is ridiculous. Last night my wife said, did you have good study time today? I said, I think so. I think so. I said, I put four or five notes together on one verse. I feel a little bad, a little irresponsible, but it's all in verse 17 here. They said this, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Can I just say something? If you read the Luke 10 account again, when Jesus sent him out, he said nothing about having dominion over demons. Not in that account. Luke 9, he sent him out to have dominion over demons. Luke 9, in the middle, they came down the mountain. They couldn't handle demons. And in Luke 10, there was no mention of demons. He said, go out, heal the sick, speak peace, Okay, receive what you've been given. Prepare the way I'm coming behind. There's no mention of demons. So when they show up obediently after they've gone out, they return, they say, even the demons. That was their main report. Even the demons. Here's my point. That when you decide to step out and say, okay, enough's enough. Enough's enough. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do whatever it is. God will show you. Okay, I can't show you. He'll show you. I'm going to do it. God always has more to give back than you'll ever give to him. Malachi chapter 4 says, if you give to me, I will outgive you every time. I'll outserve you, I'll outsacrifice you, I'll outresource you, I'll outfund you. And so when they went out to serve and prepare the way and heal the sick, all of a sudden they found demons fleeing at their very presence. What? He didn't say nothing about demons. And Jesus would say, Yeah, that's bonus. He goes, Obey? Anytime you obey, there's always bonus. Okay, my kids are starting to learn this. When dad says to do something, usually I've got something sneaky up my sleeve that's going to bless them. It's called ice cream, you know, stuff like that. Like, clean that. I want to bless them. I like to have as much fun as they do, even more probably. So too, the Lord says, let's, let's go. I want to bless you. If, you. if you're bargaining with the Lord right now, well, I don't know if he's going to be really fair to me. He wants me to give my tithe and offering, but I don't know. He wants me to pray. I don't know. He wants me to serve. I don't know. Listen, when you, when you give to the Lord and just say, Lord, what do you, okay, okay, I'll do it. And then you do it. The Lord in his fashion and his way will above and beyond bless you. I remember when I took uh, trips to Honduras. I started taking these trips. My intention was to take trips to Honduras and to, to minister to the Hondurans, and I did that. took three trips in less than six months. It was aggressive. But I remember in that, on my second trip, a little 19-year-old girl showed up, this cute little thing that loved Jesus and had a big Bible under her arm, and I fell in love with that girl, okay? I married that girl, taking people to Honduras. Crystal's her name. She's going to be at the next service, okay? 17 years we're going on now, next, uh, next year, this year, whatever the case is, and I can't remember what our anniversary is. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but if I wouldn't have gone to Honduras, that wouldn't have happened. After our marriage, we had this friend we developed in Ashland that lived in Portland area, and they had a son in Ashland. And their son was kind of high risk. He was popping pills and couldn't, couldn't do anything right with his life. And so they said, would you watch him? Would you be hands and feet of Jesus for him? And I was like, I'll do my best. And so he ended up moving in with us. Gave him UAs and helped him out, get, get, get through this next phase. And, and as, as we developed a relationship and took care of this kid, man, it was just like a, I had two boys at home. I had this, you know, kind of this dude. Love that guy, by the way. And as, as the story went on, as, as, as things would go with this family, they had a friend but way up in Portland. A friend of theirs passed away and went to heaven and left him a bunch of money. And they 
felt the Lord tell them, you know what this money's for? It's for Luke and Crystal Frechette when they moved to Newport as a down payment for their home. And now I took care of their kid. That's, it was the right thing to do, best of my ability. And they gave us a big chunk of money in order to help us. I didn't see that coming. And you don't know what the Lord is going to do in your life. God asked my family to move here seven years ago. So it was pretty obvious. It was, it was actually fun to be in obedience to the Lord. He didn't say what or why. And we said, oh, we, we, we knew. Oh, and that's worth us waiting gold. And we moved here. And I'm so humbled at what God has done in my life and in my walk and in this church and in this town and through all the people, the myriads of people that he's allowed us to know and to grow with. When the Lord says, I want you to do this, he's going to give you more than you could even ask for. Look at verse 18. And he said to them, this is a weird response if you think about it. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on the serpents and the scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now you can imagine, they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Just kind of listen and kind of like, you know, guy, just whatever, kind of idiots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, don't rejoice in that though. Lord, we just did what we did. The demons, the demons were fleeing. He's like, guess what? I was there when Satan fell from heaven like lightning. Now we don't know if he was talking about that moment, which is recorded in the book of Isaiah, recorded in the book of Ezekiel. It's it's recorded, that, that moment. That moment where Satan, who if you guys don't know anything about Satan, he used to be an angel, an angel of light, kind of God's second in charge. And he led worship services, but he saw a mirror one day. He's like, whoa, I'm pretty hot stuff. And he began to get prideful. And in his pride, can you imagine? I was meditating on this over the weekend. Jesus said to his boys, I saw Satan, like lightning. You guys ever seen lightning before? Lightning is violent, and it's fast, and it's furious, and it's powerful. It's uncontrollable. And I was imagining Satan, before he was Satan, when he was in heaven, one of God's creatures, beautiful in all of his being. But all of a sudden, something crept into Satan's mind called pride. And I was imagining what this scene looked like. And here Jesus, in my mind, is Gandalf the Grey. In the 70 are like Frodo and Mary and Pippin and, you know, Samwise Gamgee. And, and Gandalf is telling them what he saw in days of ancient history where Satan was one day doing what he did, but then pride crept in, and boom! Satan, like lightning. And I just imagine how strong the Lord is to take Satan and be like, just in a, not even in a negotiation, hey, knock it off or you're going to be cast out. No, no. It was boom, power, and Satan was launched out of heaven. And Jesus here tells the boys, this is how it went down. That's what I saw. And I don't know if he was saying that historically, because it's true. Or listen, please listen, please listen. Or if he was saying that to the boys who were kind of excited, fired up a little bit, saying, boys, be careful. I've seen what pride can do. I've seen how success that you are now boasting in. I've seen where it can take you. And I've seen how it can corrupt you. And it can get you off. I've seen Satan fall like lightning. Now, which one was it? Was he speaking of when Satan fell historically, which happened, or was he speaking of the fact that pride can lead to a fall? Which one was it? Thank you, Jan. The answer is yes, because both are true. And he said to his boys then, kind of throwing this power that he holds upon them. Guys, you had power over demons? Wow, I was there when that power that you have was established when the battle was won. Now the battle's not over, you guys know that. Next week I'll do a little bit of demonology because it comes up. There are some in today's culture, even in today's church, that don't believe in Satan, demons, devils, or their works, okay? To which I always ask, how do you explain the evil in our culture, in our society, in our history? Where does that come from? It's pretty, pretty bad, it's pretty grotesque. And yet I would say this too. Not only did Jesus historically see Satan fall like lightning, the Bible records it, and not only will pride lead to our demise as well, but I believe that while these guys were out doing what they were doing, listen, I believe there's a third application of what Jesus was saying, maybe even current. Hey guys, when you were out there, you know what I saw happening in the lives of people? Listen, I saw Satan in his footholds, 
and in his throne and in his dominion and in his reach upon humanity. I saw him being cast down through your works, through your efforts, that when you went and preached my word, when you went and preached my kingdom, he was dethroned, dismantled. As a matter of fact, C.H. Spurgeon has a quote. He says it this way. C.H. Spurgeon says, So where the gospel is preached with divine power, Satan comes down from his throne in human hearts and human minds as rapidly as the lightning flash falls from heaven. And when we see his kingdom shaken, then like Jesus, we rejoice in the spirit. I think all three applications, if you're a note taker, are thinking this through. And then Jesus goes on to say, I've given you power over serpents and scorpions. I believe those are types of demon activity, okay? Not literal snakes and scorpions as much as I don't like snakes or scorpions, okay? I don't think he was talking about amphibians and insects, personally. I think he was talking about the demonic and how he's given us power over all of that, which is dark. Verse 20, last verse. Look at this, though. And we'll pick up at verse 18 next week, apparently. <laughs> Crazy. He says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Listen. It is not so much what we can do for God on any given day that will bring great joy, although it will. But on any given day, it is what God has already done for you that will bring everlasting joy. This will change it from having good day, bad day. Anybody have a good day, bad day? Okay, you're a good day, bad day Christian? How's your day? <laughs> Are you kidding? My name is written in heaven. You ever had your name in the paper before? For, for good stuff, I mean. <laughs> you ever had your name in, you ever, you ever been on a list? You know, a good list? I'm not talking Lincoln County's most wanted. That's a different list. But you ever had your name on the list, you know? On the list? Most of us haven't. Some of us have. Been on a good, some of us, you just, you know, you've never been on a good list. You went out for the varsity team, checked the roster, you didn't make the list. Well, I guess I'll go into drama. You know? Anybody who's in, you know, drama, they didn't make the sports team, and you go out there, and you, you know, you're just trying to be a tree. I just want to be a tree, and you make... I didn't make the list, you know. And so you're like, well, I'll, I'll just get real smart. I'll get real smart. I'll go to college. And so you sign up for the Ivy League college and you get the letter back. Nope, you didn't make the list. You're not on the list. And so you're like, well, I'll just get a job then. I'm not getting on any list. And so you apply for the jobs. And no, nope, you didn't get that list either. And you're like, well, I'll just go eat, okay? That's what I'll do with my life. And you go to the restaurant. I want a table. Are you on the list? No, you guys have lists too. You know, you're not on that list. And pretty soon you're like, I'll just become a professional drinker. That's what I'll do with my life, you know. And you go to the club and there's, there's a list there too. And you don't, Jesus says, you're on my list. He specifically says, I want you to rejoice in this. And, you're, you, and I, you, you and I aren't on the lists here that we want to be on. You blew it, I blew it. We're just not on the list, okay? You're not on the list. I'm not on the list, okay? Sorry, you're not on the list. You're in that list. The only list that matters. As a matter of fact, in my notes, I wrote down, my name is written in heaven. I would encourage you to do that later. Write it down and believe it. And as I wrote it down, I stopped. I was like, what the heck? What in the heck? Rejoice in that. That's what Jesus said. That's cool, boys. Glad you had a great time. Don't rejoice in that but rather rejoice that your name is written in heaven. The Greek for that word written is so strong, it's irreversible and permanent. It's written. I'm like you. I don't think much of myself in reality. I maybe come across differently, but I don't think much of myself. I don't. Especially in the things of eternity or God or heaven. Or, I really, I just don't. And to write that down, your, my name is written in heaven. You see, the problem is, is that if I have a great day, I'll go to bed with a big smile on my face. Oh, man. Preached a great nine, decent 11. The best was six. Ah, go to bed. Or I'll have a bad Sunday. They, they do happen. I choke on the nine and puke at the 11 or whatever, you know. <laughs> skip the six. <laughs> or want to skip the six. And the Lord, what the Lord say, what are you rejoicing in today? What's, what, what's really, what's it, what is it for you? My name is written in heaven. I got power over this, and we've been ambassadors of that. Good. 
Heaven is eternal. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Jesus is so for you. He's so for you. The world is out to get you, to crush you, to rob you. And Jesus says, I've given you power over all that. Walk with me. Let your life come into submission to my will. I'm going to have the worship team come up and join us and lead us as we sing and repent as one. Bow your heads and close your eyes and pray with me. Lord, sometimes life just seems really long. Other times it seems really short. And I pray, Lord, that today would be a day where we decide to, whether we feel life is long or short, that today we bring our lives into submission to you. That today we say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. That, Lord, you would give us the strength to endure the woes and to endure the oppression, to endure the sacrifice, but to also expect the joy, the blessing that you would outgive us and outserve us, Lord, that we would be generous and benevolent, sacrificial, flexible, Humble, Lord, willing to serve and willing to submit to you. I pray that that would be our gift here this morning, that we, Lord, would find the joy of serving you, of knowing you, of loving you, denying ourselves. If you're here this morning, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, or you want to become a believer, whatever it is, you want to live for Jesus and then others, then yourself. It's that simple. You just want to do it. Would you raise your hand right now? Just repent and say, Lord, I want to do it. I'm not doing it, but I want to do it. Lord, help me to live better for Jesus. They were sent out on mission. They didn't really get a choice. They didn't get a, a say. They just said, go, I'm sending you out. And they went. And then they returned and they had joy. Put your hand up right now if you want to have the joy of the Lord. Don't just sit there soul and wonder why your life stinks. Things are difficult for you. You can't figure it out. You're never happy. Just right now say, Lord, I'm a mess. Raise your hand if you're a mess. You need the Lord to save your life, to just ch- take over. Lord, my hand, both my hands are up. There's so many areas I just want to have the joy of the Lord. Doing what you tell us to do, trusting you for the process and trusting you for the ends, living our lives for you. Lord, before we take communion, you can put your hands down. Before we take communion, I just want to take you up on your promise, Lord. And I want to just rebuke all the dark spirits, all the demons, all the devils in this room all the plagues of the devil. In Jesus' name, you're rebuked. Be gone. Be bound up. Let go. In Jesus' name, never return. You're not welcome here. You're outgunned. You're outnumbered. You're undone. You're dethroned in Jesus' name. If you need deliverance, let that be yours today. Holy Spirit, may you now indwell those areas that those demons have ravaged and piece back together those minds, those hearts, and those lives, those relationships. It's that simple. In Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father, for the table of communion that pays for all of this, that establishes your grace and love to us. We do what we do now at the table, examining ourselves, saying, yep, we're the nobodies. We're the zeros. And then we take the bread and take the cup and we lift it up and say, you, Lord, are everybody. You're somebody. You're the hero. And we proclaim your death in our place until you return. We do with this believer's communion with great humility and expectation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.